Good morning. It's good to see you all today as we are in week two of this Easter series of Hope Rises as we consider what is this to have hope and as we look into 1 Corinthians 15 today we talk a little bit of a misplaced hope and that connects to Palm Sunday in all sorts of ways but I'm loving going through this uh, chapter of 1 Corinthians 15 in this Easter season and last week we talked about uh, verse 12 up to 34, and it was that whole section about, okay, well, if we're going to actually believe that Jesus rose from the dead, we have to believe that resurrection is possible, that miraculous things can happen. And so we believe that. And then this next part goes into a whole thing about what happens when we die. It's a big question. It's the existential question of what happens. What happens next? What is all of the eternity about? What will our bodies be like when we die? Now, a lot of us have some sort of misplaced uh, thoughts or hopes or expectations about that. We might think that we sprout wings and fly around in the clouds. We play our pretty harps as angels. You know, that sort of expectation about what will happen one day. We have thoughts of, I don't know, you could have like thinking of these kind, wonderful thoughts of grandma looking down on you. I don't know if you'll ever be grandma looking down on people one day. It's a nice thought. I don't know if that's actually how things will work. Uh, you know, so we have these, these notions of what will happen, what will we be like when we die. And I want us to think about, okay, well, what does the Bible say? What does this passage say, because in a real and serious way, death is all around us. Even this week, these past couple weeks, I mean, we've seen some horrific tragedies of school shootings and death just ever-present, tornadoes, these natural disasters, these man-made um, just atrocities that can happen, plus just the, the normal life uh, of disease and cancer and the frail bodies that we live in. And death is ever present in front of us. And so we have to understand that as has been said, the statistics on death are clear. It is 10 out of 10 will die. Unless Jesus returns, we will all die. Do you know what will happen when you die? We can have a sense of all this, even as we dig into this, it's not gonna give us a, you know, sort of a, what, what will my body be like? We're not getting an illustration. This isn't the illustrated version, and now we have like this perfect picture of what our bodies will be like when we die, but we get a bit of a sense of what we won't have and what we will have. Um, now, the Corinthians, who Paul's writing this to, these people of Corinth had all sorts of crazy views. They had all sorts of weird thoughts. They, they were baptizing dead people. They were baptizing for dead people. And, you know, just thinking like, okay, well, what can we do to, to help this situation? Almost in desperation, maybe. But we need to have a, a good understanding of this. And so Paul gets down to this core, central part of this issue. Now, when you think about misplaced expectations, I just want us to like 
consider, we're not doing like the whole Palm Sunday story today necessarily, but as it's Palm Sunday, again, these people had this misplaced hope, a misplaced hope for what Jesus was entering Jerusalem to do. Uh, a lot of misplaced hope of him coming to be this political uh, leader, this leader of the rebellion, this leader of helping usurp and take back their country from Rome. And, you know, Jesus is like, hey, I did not come to liberate you from the Romans. I came to liberate you from sin and death. And the way I'm going to do that is not by me, like, doing a typical sort of warfare fighting against anyone, but it's actually going to be me suffering and dying for you. And so that's just a radical shift of what the expectation was of the Messiah. And so we can just have some of that misplaced hope in our lives as well, even as we come to like, uh, approach this, this question of, okay, what kind of body will we have when I die? Because this is the question that, that Paul gets into here. So I encourage you to turn, if you haven't yet, turn to 1 Corinthians 15. If you've got one of those Bibles in the back of the seat in front of you, it's page 692. But we'll look at uh, verse 35 and here we'll read 35 to 41, but we'll, we'll kind of go through all the way to 50 today, or 53 today. Uh, 54, maybe. Oh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how far we go. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we start here, verse 35. It says, But someone may ask, How will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. And I'm like, is it? Like, I don't know. Like, well, it feels like a pretty good question to me. But we'll, we'll try and, and look into that. But he says, what a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you're planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh. One kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. And then he says, there are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. And then here we kind of understand what he means when he says heavenly bodies. He says, the sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind, and even the stars differ from each other in their glory. All right, now, that's kind of crazy, right? So we're trying to understand all this as what does he mean in this part? Now, this doesn't get to like kind of the good, I feel like the real good part's next. But this is, to me, another reminder that we always need, I think, to recognize that God is in charge. Just like last week, we we're like, look, God, we can't limit God. We can't control God. He will do the miraculous. Here, in verse 38 specifically, he says that it will have the kind of bodies, that plant, that seed will grow into the kind of body, the kind of plant, we will be changed into the kind of body that God wants us to have. I like that because it's just kind of like, okay, Lord, there's a moment of submission, a moment of recognition that he is God and I am not, and God's going to change us into whatever he chooses. But then we see that part, that, that whole thing where he's like, um, what a foolish question. Like I think just, okay, well, why? Why is this a foolish question? It feels like a little bit unfair at, at some level, like an unfair response. 
And I tried thinking about it. There's not a lot of thoughts, but like, it, it could be a little bit that Paul's talked about this somewhat already. We'll read some responses he has about this in, in, uh, to the Romans, to the Philippians. He might have already been talking to them a lot about this. Um, John writes about this as well, and, and we'll look at some of that. But it also could be like he's been speaking to them about it, but it also could just be this whole thing of like, hey guys, you just need to like know that God's gonna make you what God wants to make you. Okay? Just submit to that and be cool with that and be okay with whatever God is going to do. Because I like this part where it's like, hey, a seed goes in the ground, you plant it, it has to die, it's, been, it's buried here, and then what sprouts up isn't just a big old seed. Right? When you plant a seed of a plant, it doesn't just grow up into this huge, gigantic seed or this completely different seed or something. No, when you plant a seed in the ground, it grows up into a beautiful flower or a tomato plant or a giant redwood tree. Like, whatever that would be, it's growing up into being something completely different. And so he's trying to get them to understand that, that God is going to make you into something very different than what you are. Now, I'll kind of, we'll talk through a little bit how it's both different and the same in some kind of crazy ways. But part of this is for us to trust. Now, then he talks about glory, right? He's like, okay, there's these bodies in the heavens and bodies in the earth, and they've all got their own kind of glory. Now, this word glory is this word doxa in Greek that has like a lot of different, like a lot of different ways it's used in the New Testament, okay? It's like kind of a, a range of meanings in the New Testament. And now some of that is, uh, is splendor, brilliance, um, but it comes from this like base meaning of, of this awesome light that radiates from where? It radiates from God's presence, okay? Glory is it's this awesome light that radiates from God's presence. And it's about God's awesome acts of wonder that we then give glory to God because as he, as he is awesome, we reflect his awesomeness right back to him in our praise and worship when we say glory to God, right? And so part of like even one of the reasons that we would pray as it says in the scriptures, Lord, show us your glory, that's like one of the core things I think that, that we can pray is like, God, show us your glory because we want to see his wonder, his acts of power and strength in this world. And so then we speak these words of, of his excellence and his praise to him and we glorify God by reflecting God's awesomeness, right? Uh, so there's, there's this this whole thing of God's glory. And so you think of then in that same way how all of these heavenly bodies reflect light and glory, and then even we then reflect light and glory. But as we'll talk about this, it's not just like us like reflecting actual light. That's not necessarily, it's all about God's actual presence and power. We're reflecting that. And it's kind of in contrast to to shame and humiliation and brokenness that we will that we'll talk about a little bit more as we go here. But it's in contrast to all of that that reflecting God's awesomeness. And so I think that's even where like some of a misplaced hope and expectation can be that we would think, oh, like, yeah, we become some sort of like, 
I don't know, some star in the sky or some sort of angelic being, but God is actually gonna give us a new body. And uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to tell us the next part as we talk through that. And so this next part, let's, let's read 42 to 50. This is really interesting to me. So he's just said all these things have this different kind of glory. And then in 42, he says, it's the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. The scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. I don't know if you've like ever read that or maybe you have, you just sort of skipped over that, but it's like there's some very interesting things in this passage of what will happen to us, what we will be like, that we will have these new resurrected bodies. We are somehow still completely us, but that we are given this brand new body. It's a new body. It's not just our earthly body is made up nice. Okay, we are given a new body. It's not we go and kind of float around in some like spirit ghosty kind of way or something. No, we're given a body. We'll have a body that we will have. Okay, so now let's look at some of what he says about this. He says, buried in brokenness, raised in glory. Now this word brokenness, that is a relatable word, right? We are, these, these human bodies that we have feel frail, feel filled with pain, sickness, suffering, that we are constantly wearing down. We're just on a process of, it, of like the actual human body we have is just getting worse and worse and worse, right? It's just, that's how it works. And I think some of us feel immortal. The younger you are, the more immortal you feel. And then the older you are, the more you sort of feel the aches and pains of being, bare, like of being broken. Um, I'm feeling a little bit of the aches and pains of like a big event yesterday, like uh, running and biking and swimming and all that. And it's just like, I had to start my journey up the stairs early in the prayer, you know, to make sure I felt like I was going to make it up here. Because like our bodies can only handle so much. They're being broken down. And, um, and that's, that's reality, that we can get sick, parts wear out. It's, it's tough. But um, also this word uh, here in some of your Bibles, maybe you have a different translation than the NLT, and it might say dishonor. 
our bodies are buried in are buried in dishonor and that there's like some sort of shame that we are buried in we bury that brokenness that shame is buried whatever we feel of of the shame even that comes from the things we've done or the frailty of of our lives that shame and that brokenness is buried and then we're raised in glory so think of all the ways you feel broken think of all the ways you feel shame and guilt and god says that is gone you're raised to reflect my awesomeness my power my love my light that is what you are now raised into in some way so we know and that's what i mean by the way he talks about it it isn't just giving us this perfect illustration of you know, you'll have like really buff arms and stuff. You know, like it's not like that when it says, what will our bodies be like? You know, it's just, it's like your, your brokenness and your shame is gone and you're raised into this glory of reflecting who God is. And then it says, we are buried in weakness and raised in strength. And that is even more so of the physical. The first, that brokenness, I think, is even more of that shame and dishonor. Whereas this part is all of that physical, physical our, our corrupted bodies that, that wear out, they will return to dust. That is what will happen to these physical bodies. God says that weakness that you feel and that you have is buried and you will be raised. Your new body will be raised in strength. So we know that we'll have glory, God's glory of his awesomeness in some way. And we also will be made strong. And so if you feel weak, you feel weak in your mind, in your emotions, in your, like, in your mental health, in your physical health, in your actual physique, all of that, if you feel weak, God says, that will be gone and you'll be raised in strength. And so these resurrected bodies that we will have one day, that these will be strong and you can be sure of that. Um, and then he says, they will be buried as natural and raised as spiritual. Okay, now, what does that mean, right? So there's some sense of this body that we have now is, is of this natural realm, and then it will be raised as a spiritual body, okay, a spiritual body. That's an interesting thing. Now, um, this contrast here is like, what our bodies are, are animated by or energized by, because this is just like a shell at some level, right? But we have a, what Paul really refers to often as a soul within us that is like what makes our body be able to move and think and breathe and all of those things, that God breathes then his life into Adam at, at the original. Now, our bodies like are animated, though, by some form of what he would say here is natural, Okay, is this natural world. But then what will happen is our bodies will be animated and energized, like we will have our ability to move and breathe and, and do all of the things we do by the Spirit of God, by God's Spirit. That will somehow energize us. We, we will be these spiritual bodies, which I know that all sounds like a little bit weird, right? That sounds weird. Not, I feel weird saying it. <laughs> but, um, but that is like, that's what the scriptures are saying, that we will be raised into a spiritual body. We're going to look at a, a few verses as we continue going through here that kind of help us, and we got to get through all of it to really get 
a good understanding of all this, but let's look at Romans 8, 10, 11. It says, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. So we're dead, we're act actually dead, and then the Spirit gives us life into these new bodies. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. So that's why it's a little bit of this now, not yet, that we do have the Spirit of God living in us now, but it is not yet fully fulfilled into these glorified bodies that we'll have one day. And so that is what God is doing in you. And I encourage you, you might even be sitting there thinking, some of you are thinking like, why are we talking about this? Some of you are thinking like, thank God, this body is dying. This body is failing me. I feel like a sense of hopelessness in the midst of this body. And I understand that. And I understand that. But God has a hope for you, both in the here and now, as his spirit is within you, but then also has a beautiful hope of a, of a future into these new bodies. Um, the next thing it says, though, okay, so it says, buried in brokenness, raised in glory, buried in weakness, raised in strength, buried in natural, but raised as spiritual. And then it talks of like from the earthly, like Adam, we shift to the heavenly, like Jesus. This whole comparison that the, every, the way everything works now is based on what Adam, right? What Adam had done. Adam sinned, and so now we are all, we all have sin, and everything is corrupted and broken because of that. But then Jesus comes, and then now it's like a, a restart, a new genesis, that he's making everything right because of what Jesus has done. So everything was broken and corrupted and sinful, but now that Jesus has come, because everything we celebrate this week, because of his life, death, burial, and resurrection, we know now that we start over anew with, the, with Jesus becoming that first man, and it's all based on his perfection and his grace and love for us, and now we can be part of that line instead of the line of Adam. And that is like what is so restorative. Uh, and so look at this verse. Uh, I love Philippians 3, 21. This is my favorite one actually for today. It says, he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Isn't that awesome? That he will take these weak mortal bodies and make them beautiful, like these glorious bodies that we will have. And then it says, like his own. That's a key line in there, okay? Like his own, like Jesus. Jesus was dead, and then he resurrected into an actual body. Jesus didn't resurrect into sort of spirit form and float up into the sky in spirit form from the grave. He came into a resurrected body, and then he many days later, ascended into heaven, okay? So we will be made like Jesus. And this is why uh, Diddy, Dave Mitchell, would always say, we always used to joke around because he'd always say, 
I think he was maybe serious, maybe not, but he would always say that we'll all be 33 years old in, in, like, in heaven or in the new earth because Jesus, when his resurrected body was 33 years old. And so I like to tease him because that's how we, that's our relationship. But I like to tease him about like, oh, so does that mean we'll all be 33-year-old Jewish men also? You know, I don't know. Like, I don't know how that works. But, um, <laughs> and so, I, and we don't. We don't know how that works exactly. I think it's an interesting thought thinking about the 33 thing Some of you that are like 19 are like, bro, I don't want to be 33. And some of you, (laughs) some of you that are 75 are like, that sounds great. You know, (laughs) I don't know. So there's like a little give and take there. But we'll see what our physical bodies will be like. But you can see through all of that, we'll be made like him to be like Jesus in some way. Um, Johnny Erickson Tata, who is, um, is this awesome woman who has great ministry but is, um, is paralyzed, had this quote thinking about her body. And she says, somewhere in my broken, paralyzed body is the seed of what I shall become. Interesting that she even uses that seed planting analogy here. Somewhere is the seed of what I shall become. She says, if there are mirrors in heaven the image I'll see will be unmistakably Johnny, although a much better, brighter Johnny. And I like how she's kind of like seeing like the struggle of life in this body for her that is paralyzed and weak, right? That she's, she's made a life though that is beautiful and purposeful and incredible as Christ has empowered her to do that, yet she longs for being made whole again in some way by God. She'll still be her, but will one day be this this much better, brighter, glorious Johnny. And that's, I think, a good thought for us as we think about the evils of dementia, of cancer, of Parkinson's, of whatever these other diseases that so many people suffer with, that the scriptures say the blind will see, the deaf will hear that God will make all things new. Revelation 21.5, Jesus says, behold, that means look, look at this. I'm making all things new. He's saying that at the end of days as he's talking about the new heaven, the new earth that will be created, that we will live in that new earth, in these new glorious bodies that are strong, these new glorious bodies that have gotten rid of the shame and the weakness and the brokenness and are made like Christ and we're dwelling together as our bodies are made new, the entire world is made new. Because I think it's very similar to what happens with our bodies, that these bodies we have now will no longer be the bodies we will have, but will still be us, but will be glorious. And in that same way, the world, it says, when the new earth is created, it won't be the earth we have now. It'll be a new earth, but still earth, right? Like that kind of thing. It's this, still this, this world that we will have to have purpose and, and work together and, and just being in the presence of God. That's awesome. That's what is to come. That's the work that God is going to do in us and do in the world. And so we pursue that Um, And then what's even like wild to think about even more is that we will not all die, but we will all be transformed to be like Christ because Jesus is coming. And when he returns, 
The people here won't die, so what happens to them? Let's look at verse 51. It says, But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Okay, so that means all of us will have a body that is immortal, that will live forever in this new earth. As we live in the presence of God, in this beautiful new Eden that he has created, we will live forever with him. In these bodies that are now strong, that are now um, glorious, we will live in those in the presence of God. First uh, John 3, 2 uh, says this, Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. Which also makes me be like John and, and Paul might have been having beef on this. Like John's like, dude, we don't know the answer to that question. Don't be calling the Corinthians foolish. Like, come on. Okay, so, but he's not yet shown us what we'll be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Okay, so we, we know, we don't know exactly what it'll be like, but we know we'll be like Jesus. And then, so because of that, we want to keep ourselves pure as he is pure. And I think what that gives us is um, a command of how you're supposed to live even though you'll be made new. And I think it's helpful for a way of us thinking about the world and our bodies that, and, and our minds and our hearts that because God is going to renew us, that doesn't mean, you know, like as it said in the last passage, let's just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we shall die. It doesn't mean do whatever you feel like because who cares, we're being renewed. It also doesn't mean let's just destroy this world because it's gonna be renewed. It's telling us, look, hey, you have, you're in this body now and you're gonna be made like Christ who's pure. So live pure now as you are doing everything you can with the power of God and the love of God and the grace of Jesus Christ to be able to be more pure. We wanna be as much like Christ in our bodies now as we can be, right? That's what we wanna be, this, this sanctifying work of the Spirit of God in our lives that we're pursuing holiness and purity in that way because we wanna be more like him and then he will uh, make us all the way like him. It's like, uh, I've heard that expression of, I wanna ha have Jesus have to do as little work as possible that, in that transformation, right? Even though it's always gonna be a ton. But then I think it's also the same way that we should think about this beautiful world that God has created and given us. It will be made new. We will be a new earth, but let's do everything we can to be developing this world to be more like what God is going to make it. It's not just let it all burn, you know? Like, I don't think that is a biblical attitude towards both our bodies and this world and our, our minds and our hearts as well. Let's be made, as, let's, let's be in that work of making everything as much like Jesus would want it to be as well, because we will spend eternity 
in that new heaven, new earth, in these new bodies, in the presence of God. I think it's a beautiful vision of hope for the future. It's what the Bible talks about. And so hopefully now you are open to God and to what God is going to do and your view of eternity maybe has in some way shifted or somehow realigned to what God has come to do. But then it's like, well, now what, right? What am I supposed to do in the here and now? What am I supposed to do today? What do you expect of me, God? I think one thing is to trust in the slow work of God. In the here and now, trust in the slow work of God. Fully submit to him, recognizing that God's timing, God's plan can often be very different than what we hope for or the way we think God should do this. That God, I want this healing now. And God says, I want you to see eternity. Have eternity in mind as you see you are in this struggle now, but you will spend eternity in a glorious, strong body. And we can get frustrated because our expectations of God don't come true, but maybe God never wanted that for us because God often uses these struggles, the suffering. Remember the suffering. That's what Jesus came and did. Jesus came and suffered. Jesus came and showed you the way of suffering is the way to victory, that he was willing to suffer for you. And so as we suffer, we're being made more like Christ, and that is to be more like him. But then he will renew us, so we trust in that slow work. And that's difficult. I'm not saying that's easy. But we also recognize that God is inviting us into something in the here and now. That in the here and now, we know that his spirit dwells within us. We know that he's working in this world in some way. And so we need to tangibly trust in God and live out of that. To have your anxiousness met by a great comforter. To trust God with your relationships. To be a cycle breaker of the unhealthy patterns of your family line. To trust him for his plan of what's happening now. To receive God's love, receive God's love intimately for yourself, and then live out of that love. That we have a sure hope, a sure hope, rather than a misplaced hope, we have a sure hope when we trust in the goodness of God, his love that will never, ever, ever fail us. And so as we respond to this today, uh, as we worship, I will just encourage us that we have the opportunity to come to the prayer points, that ask leaders to come to the prayer points as well, and that we have an opportunity to respond today. Maybe you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and God is saying, trust in me, submit yourself to me. We say, Lord, I believe that you are God. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross and rose from the dead. I need you to forgive me of my sins. And you are welcomed into God's family and you are then made new. Your bodies will be like this one day. So come to the prayer points for prayer about that. But also I'd encourage you to come for prayer for these frail human bodies that we have that are broken and suffering and struggling and pray for God to do a healing work in you. If that's an inner healing work, or a physical healing work in you. We wanna pray over you for that, for the things that you are suffering through in the here and now. So come forward for prayer, let's worship, 
Let me, um, could we actually, could we stand? I want to pray. Just let's stand, prepare to sing. Pray over you now. Heavenly Father, I pray for each person here. I pray, God, for those that have not yet Lord, place their trust in you, their hope in you for eternity, God. And I pray that you would call them to yourself today and they would respond. It's just to say yes to Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me. Yes, Jesus, I believe in you. Please forgive me. I need you. And then we'll help you figure that out more along the way. I pray for those that are just suffering in these physical bodies that we have, and I pray that you would meet them in the midst of, of that struggle. And maybe that struggle fills them with doubt or even anger with you, God. And so I pray, God, in this moment that you would meet them, comfort them, heal them, Lord Jesus. We love you. We worship you now. In your name, amen.